I'm recording. Okay. It's a nice substitute for hello. <laughs> God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, what's going on with you? Let's just jump in here. Uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I got through the holidays. How was your, uh, how was your Christmas? It was, it was okay. It was pretty good. It's exhausting doing all the traveling and juggling it all. It's always good to see everybody, but man, it takes a lot out of you. And I resent, um, I resent that it's so close to Thanksgiving because I feel like you do the big thing for Thanksgiving and that's its own exhaustion. And then, uh. Three weeks later, you have to do it again. Those two big holidays were not planned very well by the ancient aliens. And you had um, Christmas at your parents' house or your mom's house? Yeah, when we went to Birmingham, we were there for like three or four days. It's good because the kids, you know, now that we all have kids, my siblings have kids, and it's good for the babies, you know, but I don't know. What's the deal with your mom? Is she remarried? Yeah, yeah. She's been married to my, well... They married when I was a grown-up, so it's like weird to call him my stepdad, but he is my stepdad. But they've been married for like 15 years. They've been together for a while, uh, maybe a little less than 15, and we get along great. So, And he's super funny. My kid loves him. So that all that's good. Now, do you think of your biological dad as your child's grandfather or your stepdad as the grandfather? My stepdad is definitely her grandfather. She calls him Papa G, and, uh, you know, that's that's how that's been del- delineated because I haven't talked to my dad in almost five years. Uh, wow. So he doesn't, he doesn't play any kind of active part in my life at all. So has he seen his granddaughter? He met her one time after she was already a year old. So maybe it's been three and a half, four years since we've talked. And we drove to where he lives, which isn't close to us. He didn't come to us. And my daughter, who was only one at the time and who had never met him, was shy about running into his arms. And my dad pouted about that. So that should give you a pretty good idea of what he's like. Dude, your dad, man. I mean, the fact that you are who you are is amazing. We got we to gotta, we gotta at some point roll some... Some hot bean footage of your dad's audio. <laughs> well, I laugh to keep from crying, of course, but here's here's how we can take this into a broader convo is here's what I don't understand because I appreciate what you're saying and many of my friends have said that who have met my dad. And what happened with me, man, is I grew up with my dad and always knew something was not right with him emotionally. And uh I, it wasn't that hard for me to then look at the way the man I wanted to be or the life I wanted to live and create for myself and do the opposite. What I don't understand is people who have bad models, which isn't their fault. And, you know, my dad had a shitty dad, so I get, I get how the dominoes fall that way. But wh- I don't get why people have shitty parents and they know they're shitty and then they become those people. And then they blame them and they're like, well, I never learned how to be a better person because my dad did A, B, and C to me. Why is it difficult for people to see what their parents did and want to do the opposite? Dude, I don't know. I don't know why anybody does anything that they do. I don't know why people, like why almost everybody that started playing music when I did in the early 90s is still playing the same music they were playing in the early 90s and still writing and playing that music. I'm like, no, 
it was not good then. It's definitely not good now. Hmm. Like, how? why do people not grow? Why do they not change? I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I think me and you are similar, and I think a lot of our close friends are pretty similar in that I, the closest people around me are people who did evolve. And the artists that I love the most are artists who evolved. And it is weird, like, to go back to Birmingham and, like, see maybe some people that are still there. And this has nothing to do really with Birmingham, but just to see people having the same conversations, in your case, making the same music that was kind of happening 20 years ago, who didn't move through it or and find discover something different, you know? That is odd to me. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. But with dad stuff, I you know, I, I don't understand the dad complex. Like, I understand it with people who had great dads, you know? I, it's a big deal, you know? My, my wife has a unique relationship with her dad, but her dad was a great guy, super smart, took great care of the family. Um, when he, you know, if he gets sick and when he goes, she's really going to miss him. That's going to be a big deal for her. But I've got people with really shitty dads and like they spend all their time trying to please their imaginary present dads. I just, I don't know. I don't really have that, you know? I never really had that. I never did any of my creative work for my parents. Did you ever have any of that? I mean, your dad was an opera singer, so you grew up around that kind of music. Is a lot of is a lot of who you are as a dude wrapped around some weird dad stuff? I have a weird love-hate relationship with my parents where like I really do love my parents. And it's taken me a long time to get to where I kind of love them. I kind of got to a point where I could love them as soon as I stopped exp- like demanding that they be my parents. Once right. I became an adult and realized, oh, I don't need them to be parents anymore. All I need them to do is just be people. Um, maybe grandparents, because they're actually pretty good grandparents. Um, and let go of the parent thing. And then how are they just as people, not parents? And as people, they're okay. My dad says some off-color shit, you know, because he's in his 70s. And uh, I have to remind him, I'm like, Dad, that shit's not funny. That's not, I'm, I'm not cool with what you're saying. Uh, and But he's, to his credit, you know, he's not like, fuck you, man. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> heard it. <laughs> You know, he still says the shit. I mean, you're in the poetry machine. You yeah. see the poems that he writes. Yeah, I mean, I, I like them, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. If the, if he's not your dad, it's like, oh, that's kind of funny and kind of <laughs> fucked up. And that's what they are. My parents are kind of funny. They're kind of fucked up. They're kind of nice people. They're not like mean people. They just weren't great parents. So as soon as I let go of the parent thing, I was able to establish a different relationship with them, which is fine. And, and and I don't have to hate them for not being good parents anymore. Do you feel like you did hate them for a minute when you were still blaming them for that? Was it, was it that kind of anger? Yeah. And the other thing that happened was I, you know, became, I've got two kids now. So I understand as terrible as my parents were as being parents, they loved me and my sister. And they did a job. I'm not going to say they did the best job they could because they could have done a better job, but they did a okay job. <laughs> they did a being job. parents. <laughs> they did a job <laughs> and we got through and they did, they did what they could. And that's the other thing. 
as I get older, I can't, it's harder for me to get mad at people for what they are. Cause I'm not convinced anybody really has any control over that. Yeah. I, I'm so, with you on that. I agree. Now, if somebody does something fucked up, do they need to be killed or put in jail? For sure. Like, absolutely. Like, I'm not saying no, that you can't have consequences for your actions. It's just hard for me to get mad at somebody because they are the person that they are. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think for me, people have asked me before, I tell them I haven't talked to my dad in a while, give them the general rundown of what he's like. I'm not mad at my dad. I had to just kind of, I, it's exactly what you're saying. I had to accept who he is. The the thing is, and what people I think could mistake for anger if they're not listening or having a nuanced attitude about it is, uh, that's not anger, it's a sadness and it's an acceptance, but it, it, the consequence of that is he can't be in my life. Because his only true value and understanding of love is only as an extension of his own self-love. So there's nothing selfless about how he loves people. So when he thought I was a rock star and could just brag about me, he'd come to my shows and get hammered and just make a big scene about me. He was my dad. And just embarrass me, embarrass my family. And, you know, he assaulted my first wife, or he assaulted my first wife's mother because she was a little firecracker too, and he was showing his ass. He's gotten thrown out of clubs that I've been at. And then there's all sorts of shit he did that I found out later. He used to beat my mom up, and he used to drive us around drunk all the time. And then when I confronted him about these things as an adult, there was just no repudiation. There was no shame. There was no apology. Uh, he To this day, he can't understand why I don't talk to him. He thinks he was. He, he really believes he's been a great dad. And he thinks that me not talking to him, he's the victim of this whole thing. So what happens when you become an adult and you've got to protect yourself and your family is you just got to you got to carve those people out in my opinion. Life's too short yeah. and I have too many great friends that have been either been surrogate siblings or surrogate parents who have really showed me what love really is and what friendship is. And when you really get a taste of that that sweet nectar, you're like fuck all this. I'm not going right. to put myself in a position to be abused by this guy anymore just because he you know, just because he fucking <laughs> Had sex with my mom one time, you know? Being a dad's not that remarkable. Many people can do it, and who shouldn't do it? But what a lot of people can't do is be a good friend and be a good mentor. So I, I just tend to value that more. I don't give a shit if we're blood. Yeah. Well, I think you have to reestablish your relationship with your parents. And sometimes reestablishing that relationship is, hey, I can't have a relationship with you. You're too toxic or yeah. you're too cruel or self-involved or I'm just not getting you have to get as much as you give or you have to get something yeah and I I see that with your dad you're not getting anything and it's your choice at the end of the day you know all relationships are like business deals and sometimes you just got to go you know what I'm done sinking my money into this company and that company's your dad <laughs> It's called Dad Incorporated, and uh, <laughs> it's not a lucrative company any longer to, for you to invest in. I see it the same way. That's hard to explain that to people sometimes. Is like trust and love is is currency, and uh, it's not um, unconditional. And and even your deepest friendships, like you'll, I've got friends that have gone through some really tough shit, and they've had to basically call in, c cash out the friendship, and it where it costs something. Where well, you know, I've had a friend that just it was a drug addict, and I basically had to go live with him for a few days and help him get clean. Now I can't do that every two months, so I I left my family to go try to save my friend's life, and then 
they got the help they needed, and then really soon after that, they relapsed. And I just thought, well, you already pulled that deposit out, dude. Like all of our goodwill, you used it, and it's just going to take a minute for, for that to build back up. And that may sound kind of cold, but that's that's really how relationships work. You have to be given stuff. You you store up goodwill and and social and friendship currency, but that shit can get spent, and that will destroy the relationship. Right. Well, the thing that I like to do is pretend that people are adults when they are adults. Like mm -hmm. when somebody's an adult, I like to pretend, oh, they're an adult and they can take care of themselves. And I'm an adult and I can take care of myself. And then I proceed in that direction. According. Now, what ends up happening sometimes, like you and your buddy, the drug addict, is they pretend that they're not an adult. And you pretend that that they're not an adult and then you got to go take care of them because they're a little baby now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you realize at some point you realize, well, no, they're an adult. They can take care of themselves. And it's not my responsibility to take care of this other adult. Your dad is that way. He's, he's wanting to pretend that he's like a little baby and you're the, you're the parent. And you're like, no, I'm not going to have that relationship with any, with you anymore. I'm not going to have it with this other drug addict friend of mine. And you learn that by, you know, making that mistake kind of over and over again in your relationships with people. And then eventually you grow up it's or so you true. don't. And you keep having the same fucked up relationships with people over and over. Even with my wife, my wife constantly, and I probably do it as well tries to set up these dynamics in our relationship where I'm the parent and she's got to come ask me for permission. And every time I'm like, Hey, I'm not your parent. I'm your husband. And you're an adult and I'm an adult. Now, if this involves me taking care of our child, then let's have a talk about it. Let's negotiate that situation. But in terms of like what you're going to do, you decide what you're going to do and let me know what that is. And then yeah. I'll decide if I'm okay with it. Right. That's, that's such an important give and take, I think in a, in a romantic relationship and a parenting partnership. It reminds me of the, uh, the Dylan lyric. He says, I want to be your lover, lover, baby. I don't want to be your boss. It's like, I'm the same way, man. I'm the same way. Um, I, I want there to be trust and accountability in my relationship with my wife. I don't want to be her dad or her boss or her Big brother. By the, by the way, I do want to be her boss, and I do want to be her daddy. <laughs> Zip. That, but that's yeah. That's a that's in that's in the old. It's play. That's, that's in the play bedroom. Time. That's playtime. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's a. Yeah, you know, that's playtime. That's not that's not real time with Bill Maher. <laughs> it's definitely not real time with Bill Maher. No, that was funny. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. We could talk about this for a long time, and because I find this this. As a dad and as a close friend of yours and know you're a good dad and I don't know. There's a lot to explore. There's a lot to explore in this subject matter. Well, I'll tell you. So, like I said, me and my dad haven't – we have a we have the best relationship now that we've ever had in our lives. And it's still not – you know, it's not great. It's not like I want to hang out with my dad all the time. I, I don't mind hanging out with my dad. That's about as good as we can get. But – what I've noticed with my son, who's a teenager, who's distancing himself from me, but also at the same time, like my relationship with my son is, is, is a lot different. And I'm kind of starting to realize, because I have been a, 
okay parent. Um, I mean, I'm again, not the best parent. I could be better, but I've been okay. I've listened to his feelings. I've let him have his feelings. I've tried to like remind him that my feelings are not his responsibility. Just general shit like that that I just never got. Mm -hmm. So he's this great kid. He's really nice. But I really do feel like he doesn't have this animosity that I had towards my parents. He doesn't feel that when it comes to me. He, like, loves me and kind of respects me. And uh, and it's weird because I because with me, I always... I'm always thinking into the future. I'm always like creating the story. And I'm like, well, at some point I'm going to not be around anymore. And that's going to be really hard for him. Whereas if my parents die, and this sounds fucked up, but if my parents die, I mean, if my mom dies, I'll be heartbroken for a little bit. But if my dad dies, I don't, I mean, I'll probably be more sad about it than I'm letting myself know right now because it's hard for me to access those feelings Mm -hmm. but i'll get over it my son's gonna be heartbroken yeah when i die and 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 it's it's kind of weird i'm like part of me part of me is like well maybe it's better to be you know it's like when you break up with somebody maybe it's better to be just a total dick because that way when you break up, the person's not going to miss you. They're like, oh, that guy was a dick. Whereas if you're super nice to them, they might. I don't know. This is me just worrying about what somebody else is going to feel like. I think a lot of people with strained relationships with their parents um, who maybe might guess at the stage that you're at, like, well, my parents go, we're not that close anyway, and we kind of had a shitty childhood. I don't think I'm going to care as much when they go. I think those people have a hard time, too, because what they're left with on the planet until they die is this sort of massive amount of lack of closure. Whereas, you know, let's say that you and Luke and me and Nova, no, I'm in the same boat as you. I've thought about this. I'm like, man, my daughter and I are like tight. She tells me every day that I'm her best friend. And I hope that that carries. I, I, I tell her all the time, I'm like, you think, are you going to let me hold you like this when you're 35? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, you're always going to be my baby, just so you know that. Anyway, uh, I think that it will be sadder for them because they're going to be closer to us and they're going to love us probably more or whatever. But I think there's going to be so much goodwill. The relationship's going to have been so loving and fruitful and long and good that there's just going to be more closure. It's not going to be as, I don't know, it's not going to be as sort of riddled with regret and angst and could have beens and shit. You know what it is? I just realized this as you were talking, is that everything in life comes with a price. Yeah. It's so weird. So if you have this great relationship... If you treat somebody with respect and love, when you're gone, that's going to get repaid with this true sadness mm-hmm. and true longing for that relationship that's no longer there. It's just like fucking ice cream. Like it tastes so fucking good, but at what cost? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And broccoli tastes Horrible. like you're. You taste like you're eating a goddamn tree and you're a giant and all you want is delicious little children to eat, but you're eating a fucking tree. I just watched Hellboy again. Have you seen Hellboy, by the way? Well, which ones? Hellboy 2019. 
uh, I watch it on the plane to Japan. I uh, I don't know, man. We we diverge on on these this film, dude. I watched it last night for the second time. I I'm starting to think it might be my favorite. <laughs> I just love that guy. The guy that plays Hellboy is so good. He's so funny in this and so likable. The movie just made almost no sense. And and whatever, the movies don't have to make sense to be good, but I watched it. I watched a lot of really shitty movies on the plane. You know why I watch a lot of shitty movies on the plane? Because most movies they offer on plane rides are the most popular movies of the time, and those are always the worst movies ever. Well, you're always watching the movies on the plane that you didn't want to watch. Exactly. But you're stuck there. They're usually not good. Every once in a while, I'll see something good. Like I watched The Last X-Men, which I never watched. And then I saw it on the plane. I was like, this is actually pretty good. Uh, I also watched Free Solo on the plane. Really good. Oh, my God. How good is that movie? Good, but that guy's insane. And it was weird to watch a 90-minute movie about a, a, a guy who is clearly insane but behaves normally. Well, he, the part of his brain that feels fear is it's undeveloped. Dead. Yeah, right. So for him to feel anything, he's got to put his life like totally at risk. I guarantee you, I was feeling more anxiety watching him climb a movie where I know he survives than he was where he didn't know if he was going to survive or not. Well, especially with like in the course of his training and stuff, his friends are dying from falling off these fucking things. Dude, I love that movie. The When they interview the cameraman and they're just like, I just don't want to watch him die. Yeah. They're crying and shit. Oh, I know. Yeah. Dude, it's like your friend. If he makes one mistake, he's dead. I don't think I could be friends with someone like that, man. I just don't. You know, it would be to talk about everything costs something. The cost that dude better be the coolest motherfucker in the world. And he does seem cool, but he's definitely missing some sort of the way he like deals with his girlfriend and shit. He's like very unemotive and robotic and he seems nice, but it's yeah, something's missing. Well, he yeah, he just has that thing that most people he just that fear thing isn't there. I dated an ex, uh, extreme skier back in the nineties. What was his name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember what his name was. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's like the laugh of Satan. Um. Anyways, so no, I dated this. I dated this girl, and she uh. She would tell me, she's like, if I make a mistake at any point on these, where they, they drop her in, like in a helicopter, on these like glaciers and stuff, she goes, if I make a mistake, I will die. And like, there was maybe 20 people in this group of extreme skiers. She was one of them. Most of them dudes, few women, but half of them had died. And the other half, we're going to die. It's like everybody who keeps doing it dies. So eventually, the people that live just stop doing it. But the people that continue to do it, eventually, they all die. Right. And so she quit like maybe a year or two after I was dating her. And then she became a writer. But she was a writer before. But she was like, I'm making all my money writing. And uh, I could die at any moment. So I'm going to stop doing this. Let me ask you something a little personal about that relationship and without being graphic or anything. Because to be with an extreme person like that, right? What, let's say like she, you're dating her and most, mostly she's just training and shit, but then she's got this big extreme uh, competition and she's going to do the thing where if one wrong movement she dies, okay? Are the evenings with a person like that pretty wild? Like does she survive that shit and then, then she's just a fucking 
freak or is a person like that a little more desensitized to sex or the excitement of dating like what's that kind of person like privately in intimate situations all right let me let me reframe our relationship <laughs> i definitely wasn't dating her i saw her a couple times when i was in colorado on tour and we'd hook up <laughs> uh i would say she was kind of normal like, okay You'd think that she was like there wasn't any like wild craziness about her. She right. was just a she seemed very normal, except for this one thing that she did that was so crazy. But in real life, she was just like everybody else. It's kind of like I think probably what people think of when they think of like rock stars, they think, oh, these guys are like this, you know, they're larger than life. And maybe some of them are. I've never met any of those people that are like that. Most people, they do these things that are larger than life or they're part of something that's larger than life. But the rest of the time, they're just normal people. They don't realize how much sort of quiet sobbing we do <laughs> privately. It probably well, shocks them. Yeah, well, I think this... <laughs> I think the sobbing th thing is something that people should do or if they even if they don't do it outwardly they're doing it inwardly. You know who that this whole dichotomy is the most true about is comedians. Because funny people, we all know funny people, you're a funny guy, I'm a funny guy. But the people that I've brushed up against who really lean into comedy and do comedy, I think people expect the most of them in terms of like, oh, they're not the funny guy when they're not on stage. Uh, really funny people, professional comedians tend to be pretty reclusive, introverted, quiet, meek people when they're not doing that thing, you know? They get it probably more than like rock stars or, or, or TV people. Well, all the funny people that I know can be funny whenever they want to be funny. Like the guys that are really funny, if they want to be funny, oh, they're funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But... They don't always want to be funny. It's going to be on their own terms. Yeah. When they're not on stage, if they want to impress you, if they want to make you like them, they want some pussy or they want you to be their friend, they'll they'll be funny as fuck. But if they don't give a fuck, they're not going to be funny at all. Right. And then people are like, man, I saw that guy who wasn't funny. Yeah. You know why? Because he doesn't give a fuck what you think about him. Right. Now, if you were more interesting or hotter then that guy would have been real funny. Like somebody I know went on a date with Louis C.K. And she was like, he was the funniest dude I've ever met. You know why? He wanted to masturbate in front of her. <laughs> he didn't even want to, he didn't even want to just have this more traditional sex with her. He just wanted to masturbate like on the phone with her later. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming he wanted to masturbate in front of her. Well, that's well. It's unfortunate that his his private proclivities are now known, but that seems to be a thing he liked quite a bit. You know, it's weird. I've never talked to her about that since that came out. I need to ask her. Let's get her on the podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the bottom of this. I'm not mentioning her name for a reason. <laughs> do I know her? Do I know who it is? Probably. I oh. think you do. I'm pretty oh. sure you do. Shit. Okay. Well, I'll have to save that for off air because I would definitely like to know. I'm sure I, I'm sure I could, I, I, I could ask her if she would care 
and she would probably not care. If I knew her, if we just talked about it on the podcast. No, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to her and I'll go, hey, do you care if I mention that you sucked Louis C.K.'s dick one did night? She, did she hook <laughs> up with him? Think, no, I don't think she hooked up. I think they just went out for dinner and that was oh. it and they never saw each other again. Oh. But I'm going to ask her, hey, do you mind if I tell people that you had anal sex with Louis C.K. <laughs> while it was being filmed? <laughs> Yeah, let's get let's get get back to me and the I'm okay audience with that one, please. And we're all dying to know the answer to that. All right, I'll I'll check on it. Uh, I do think we need to wrap this episode up. Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2020. Oh my goodness, gracious. Well, if this goes out today, it's still not quite the New Year, is it? Shoot, we we really overshot that one. Happy last day of 2019. Well, this was a very poignant and personal episode, Bob. I kind of feel like uh, we would be soiling it if we went into the old shenanigans about iTunes and listening to our other shows. Hold up. Is that you in the spotlight? Are you losing your religion? Is it 1985? I am in the corner. Have you said too much? Have you not said enough? Um, I'm trying to think of other lyrics to the song. I don't know anymore. Well, you said almost all of them. Anyway. Have I said enough? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm okay. You're okay. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm okay. not okay. And your dad's not okay. Should we call this podcast, My Dad's Okay, Your Dad's Okay, <laughs> Your Dad's Not Okay, My Dad's Okay, though. <laughs> we should call it My Dad Did My a- Dad's More Okay Than Your Dad Is. No, my dad, my dad could not okay. My dad can out not okay, you're not okay, dad. My dad did a job. (laughs) Dude, when you were talking about your dad fucking up your concerts, I was just like, dude, I'll go mano y mano. Let's talk about it on the next podcast about how I guarantee you my dad is fucked up more shit than your dad when it comes to live performances. That sounds like a really lovely episode. All right. Let's let's do it. We'll see you guys on the flip-flop next week. Peace. Peace. (laughs) 